0: forward slash give thanks for listening and god bless
1: our reading today is a selection of verses from acts chapters 13 through 15 listen for what god is saying to you the church at antioch included prophets and teachers barnabas simeon nicknamed niger lucius from cyrene Manaen, a child friend of herod the ruler and saul As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul to the work I have called them to undertake. After they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on these two and sent them off. In Salamis, they proclaimed God's word in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their assistant. Paul and his his companions sailed from Paphos to Perga and Pamphylion. John deserted them there and returned to Jerusalem. They went on from Perga and arrived at Antioch in Pisidia. On the Sabbath they entered and found seats in the synagogue there. After the reading of the law and the prophets the synagogue leaders invited them, "Brothers, if one of you has a sermon for the people, please speak." Standing up, Paul gestured with his hands, "A sermon, I'm sorry. Paul gestured with his hands and said, "Fellow Israelites and Gentile God-worshippers, please listen to me." When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the Lord's word. Everyone was appointed for eternal life believed, and the Lord's word was broadcast throughout the entire region. However, the Jews provoked the prominent women among the Gentile God-worshippers as well as the city's leaders. They instigated others to harass Paul and Barnabas and threw them out of their district. Paul and Barnabas shook the dust from their feet and went to Iconium. Because of the abundant presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, the disciples were overflowing with happiness. The same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas entered the Jewish synagogue and spoke as they had before. As a result, a huge number of Jews and Greeks believed. However, the Jews who rejected the faith stirred up the Gentiles, poisoning their minds against the brothers. Nevertheless, Paul and Barnabas stayed there for quite some time, confidently speaking about the Lord. And the Lord confirmed the word about his grace by the signs and wonders he enabled them to perform. Paul and Barnabas proclaimed the good news to the people in Derby and made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, where they strengthened the disciples and urged them to remain firm in the faith. They told them, if you are to enter God's kingdom, we must pass through many troubles. They appointed elders for each church. With prayer and fasting, they committed these elders to the Lord in whom they had placed their trust. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit all the brothers and sisters in every city where we preach the Lord's word. Let's see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them. Paul insisted that they shouldn't take him along since he had deserted them in Pamphylia and hadn't continued with them in their work. Their argument became so intense that they went their separate ways. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, entrusted by the brothers and sisters to the Lord's grace. He traveled through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. May God add a blessing to the hearing and understanding of the scripture. Thank you, Vania, for um,
0: for your strong reading. And uh, mm-hmm. let's give her a hand for at least uh, getting all those, <laughs> those names... I'm exactly. <laughs> um, getting all those names right but uh so um you know when we saw that the weather was going to be nice outside I thought oh we're not going to have much of a okay I have to go back now you know I keep trying to do something different but I keep uh... anyway uh, uh the I was when we heard that the weather was going to be nice today I thought oh no one's going to show up to church um, so uh giving thanks for the faithful this morning um let us pray God, we give you thanks uh, that you show up um, outside and inside. And we thank you for the sun outside and the sun that resides with us inside here. We pray that um, you would be present in this moment of hearing your word, um, knowing that you have been present as we have heard your word um, through song and testimony and so many other spaces and places, even just in this last uh, half hour or so. Um, Be present, open our hearts and minds to receive what you have to say to us, Um, because of me, in spite of me, and everything in between, um, show up and show out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Tom and Jerry, Batman and Robin, Thelma and Louise, Key and Peel, Cookies and Milk. There are some things that just go so well together that you can't imagine them apart on their own. And then there are the other pairings that make you kind of scratch your head and think, huh, I don't get it, but in some funky way it works. Doritos, tacos, jeggings, this one is still debatable, but I'm feeling generous this morning, Uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy. In our passage for today, we have a duo, and it might be hard to tell which category they fall into. Fresh or funky fresh? I'll let you decide. Paul and Barnabas get a kind of divine hookup um, when the Holy Spirit says that they are the ones to go out and spread the gospel. So after prayer and fasting, they head out, and almost from jump, They have these crazy experiences. Our reading this morning kind of skips around, but I wanted to sort of give you like a broad overview, right? Feel free to uh, to read Acts 13 to 15 on your own. During their time together, Paul and Barnabas end up confronting sorcerers enacting supernatural powers, seeing entire cities of people come to embrace the gospel of Jesus, and then being thrown out by mobs in those same cities. And this happens at least twice. They heal people who couldn't walk. They get mistaken for Greek gods and then worshiped. Uh, it's a wild journey, and they had each other's backs in the most intense way. Uh, and more than that, they are dynamic, right? They, they've got a vibe that just works. Uh, scripture says that they were overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And if I, I had a good sports analogy, I'd insert it here, but I have a terrible one, um, so I'll use that one. Barnabas tees it up, and Paul knocks it out of the park. <laughs> Barnabas is Dolly Parton to Saul's Kenny Rogers Salt to Paul's peppa, the energy they have is off the charts, and they are tearing it up for Jesus throughout the Near East. This was a Holy Spirit matchup, and it was so powerful. Spirit worked her power through them to get the gospel moving faster and farther and more powerfully than either of them could do it on their own. But then in just a few lines, in, in three verses, it ends. We see here, right? Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them. Paul insisted that they shouldn't take him. And uh, their argument became so intense that they went their separate ways. Paul and Barnabas had one of those friendships that are rare. It was intense in purpose and electrifying in its connectedness. They were ride or die for one another in the most real way. So, what happened? Well, there's this guy you hear about at the beginning and end of the passage that we read John Mark. Who is John Mark? At the beginning, he's described as an assistant. And after they have this really intense supernatural encounter with a sorcerer, um, John leaves them and returns to Jerusalem. You never hear his name mentioned again until this disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. It gets heated, and they split up, and you think to yourself, did John Mark just yoko Paul and Barnabas? (laughs) Paul continues on with this guy, Silas, and Barnabas heads out with John Mark. Of course, you hear about Paul throughout the rest of the New Testament, but Barnabas pretty much disappears from the picture. What happened? Well, it might help a little to investigate more about who Paul and Barnabas are. So we'll start with Barnabas. We don't get much in this passage, but just a few chapters earlier in Acts 11, we get a fuller picture of who Barnabas was. So uh, Scripture says when the church in Jerusalem heard about this thing, um, it's not important, um, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw evidence of God's grace, He, Barnabas, was overjoyed and encouraged everyone to remain fully committed to the Lord. Barnabas responded in this way because he was a good man whom the Holy Spirit had endowed with exceptional faith. Is that it? There's more. Uh, A considerable number of people were added to the Lord. Barnabas went uh, to Tarsus in search of Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. They were there for a whole year meeting with the church and teaching large numbers of people. It was in Antioch where the disciples were first labeled Christians. And then John Mark enters the picture after um, Paul and Barnabas take a special financial offering to the Christians in Judea. And, then, and uh, um, Barnabas invites John Mark to join them um, in Antioch. So here in this passage we saw that Barnabas was a good man, given gifts of exceptional faith by the Holy Spirit. And we also see, I think this is really interesting, we also see that Barnabas went to Tarsus in search of Saul. Barnabas was the one who sought out Saul and brought him to Antioch. I think this is so important. Um, to understanding the whole picture. So I've been talking about Paul over the past few weeks in this series. We know that he had a strong personality and a tendency toward bullying. We know that he was intelligent and a dynamic speaker. We know that he left everything that gave him earthly power and identity and authority to do God's work, whatever that meant and whatever that looked like. And so here's the thing about Paul and Barnabas. Like I said, Barnabas, Barnabas, Barnabas sought Paul out. We don't know why, but he saw something or maybe heard something that kind of um, kind of turned something in his mind and said, you know what, Paul is important. I need him on this team. And so he, he brings him back and um, has him join the leadership team in Antioch. And then they they get called together. Everyone sort of senses like, yeah, Paul and Barnabas, they're the ones to go out, right, to go on this mission. Um, and so they're brought together for a purpose. Paul brought the brains and the brawn, and Barnabas brought the faith and the heart. And I'm certain that the gospel movement could never have fully gotten off the ground in the transformative way it did without that powerful combination. Spirit knew that she needed both of these men and their unique gifts to make this happen. But, you know, sometimes the gifts that you possess, if they're not checked and shepherded, um, they can kind of end up becoming your downfall. So here's what I think happened. I think that this John Mark guy was someone that Barnabas also saw potential in as a leader, just like he did with Saul. And because Barnabas had a heart for ministry, he invited John Mark on this mission. But John freaks out, right, after the, social, uh, the sorcerer situation, and he leaves, and he's like, this is crazy. I can't. So he takes off. And after uh, Barnabas and Paul return to Antioch, Paul wants to go visit all the churches that they planted to sort of like check in, see how they're doing, right? But Barnabas still has this sense about John Mark's potential and wants to bring him, come on, come see what we did. See what would have happened if you'd stayed with us. Um, But as as we know, for better or for worse, Paul is like this really intense dude. He's the kind of guy who draws real, clear, hard lines and will not move them. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen would probably be his mentoring motto. (laughs) Um, He thinks, Paul thinks, John Mark doesn't deserve to join them, right? What? So he can desert us again? Forget him. Why should he enjoy the fruit of our labor? But Barnabas pushes back. Why do you have to be so hard? What about that gospel of grace we've been proclaiming? right? Don't be a hypocrite. I did the same thing for you. And back and forth and back and forth until they get to a point where maybe they start saying things that can't be unsaid, right? And it's impossible to return to the way things once were. All of the things that end relationships were at play, pride, misunderstanding, past hurts. They had a common purpose to spread the gospel, but they had different hearts. Have you ever experienced something like this? I mean, maybe not the supernatural powers and mass conversions, but a relationship that was unbelievably profound in the way that it connected you with someone, or had experiences with someone that just kind of bonded you in a way that um, was very, very particular to the two of you. And then something happens, right? Maybe you just grow apart. One of you starts dating, and the other person leaves you in the dust, Uh, new job, maybe a betrayal, what do we make of the relationships in our lives that break up, the really meaningful ones? And then, how do we recover? So we're in this series about friendship, right? And so, conflict is a part of any relationship um, in our lives. Uh, and so, as Christians, as people of faith, how do we, what do we do with these broken relationships? Because it's inevitable. So. I recently heard about this amazing holiday in Korea. Rich told me about it, um, that he read an article. Apparently in Korea, Korea and Japan have lots of holidays that celebrate just about every and any stage you might be in when it comes to your love life. There are like 13 holidays dedicated to this, dedicated to different stages, right? So including this one that's called Black Day, in which all the single people are supposed to dress completely in black, clothes, nail polish, jewelry, the whole thing, and they're supposed to eat this dish called... Jajangmyeon, which is a dish of noodles covered in black bean paste. You can't quite see it in there. It's, and it's kind of like a comfort food dish, um, maybe the equivalent of eating a pint of ice cream. And they're like jajangmyeon eating contests and other opportunities for sad singles to get together and drown their sorrows. Um, it's hilarious and ridiculous, right? But when I sat back and thought a little bit more about it, I was kind of like, you know, this is really interesting. I mean, maybe we need some kind of official day to express the grief and sorrow that we find ourselves um, experiencing, particularly at the loss of a relationship. Maybe we need a black food kind of day where we kind of like pour one out for the homies, you know, in remembrance of the good times. Because any relationship is hard and sad and can make you question why you would ever open yourself up again to someone. What's the point if they're just going to stomp all over my heart? This isn't the case for every relationship, but... Here's what I think when I look at the rise and fall of Paul Nibus. Maybe sometimes God calls us together for a purpose and a season. This isn't always the case. If you've been in a toxic or an abusive relationship that has wounded you deeply, I want you to hear me to say, hear me say that I do not think that God believed for that relationship to turn out the way that it did. Okay. However, and many of you have heard me say this before, I do believe that in God's economy, nothing is wasted, even the things that we learn and grow from after being in toxic relationships. Maybe uh, it's an empathy and a strategic insight that you now carry for those who are caught in those kinds of relationships, struggling to get out of harmful relationships. Or maybe it's a recognition of really how powerful you are that you can break cycles of violence, right? Or how limited you are. I can't be a hero to everyone right? So, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that God wants you to learn those things in the ways that maybe you did, but um, nothing is wasted. But in this case of scripture, here's what I think happened. I think that Paul and Barnabas were necessary for a time. I think that for however intelligent and charismatic and sort of all in that Paul was, he would not have had the confidence or the capacity to go into so many different spaces and places, encountering situations that were scary and amazing if it had not been for Barnabas' faith. Sometimes the relationships that we are in for a season change us and equip us for the next thing. And I think that in a way that that's what happened here. In these chapters, Acts 13 to 15, when Paul, this is when Saul stops being called Saul and starts being called Paul. It's in this, this time of that mission, Right? and I'm not going to get too deeply into it, but I'll say that um, both of these names, Saul and Paul, were were his name. So it's kind of like um, if you're an immigrant, sometimes you might have like your native language name, and then you might have like, you know, I know people who had like their Chinese name, and then their like American name, right? So it's it's kind of like that. So Saul was sort of um, his uh, Hebrew Jewish name, and then Paul was his Roman the Roman name that he received, right? Um, so in this in this uh, mission time, he shifts uh, Saul Paul shifts from Saul to Paul um, and in a way it represents this shift from his old self to his new mission to his new purpose to reach out to spread the gospel of um, Jesus to Gentiles and folks throughout the Roman Empire and it was I think it was during this time with Barnabas that Paul was able to make that transformation to become the person that he needed to be so that God could write the next chapter of his life. You following me? Maybe Paul continued to be lonely uh, because he was constantly traveling. Maybe he never again kind of had the deep commitment and companionship that he had, the kind that he had with Barnabas. But it wasn't the the end of his life, right? It marked a pivot for him as a new Uh, missionary for the gospel, as a church planter. Even though his relationship with Barnabas had ended, it was not the end of Paul or Paul's purpose in this world. God had another chapter to write. So then, how do we recover from meaningful relationships that end? How do we move forward from them? We remember this truth. God is not done writing my story. We chalk it out, actually, on our sidewalks sometimes when we do outreach Urban Village. Your story isn't over. You can't really see it. Your story isn't over. Begin a new chapter. There's a new chapter to be written. You may have had painful experiences from opening yourself up to new relationships. There is a new chapter waiting to be written. You may have had abusive, toxic relationships that have left scars, deep scars, and yet there is a new chapter to be written. You may have had wonderful, purposeful relationships that made you an incredible person that just faded away. There's a new chapter to be written. You may have never even experienced the kind of closeness that you've longed for and are finding it harder and harder to believe that it could happen for you. God is not done writing your story. There's a new chapter to be written. I cannot promise that your relationships will never experience conflict or pain but I can promise you that God is not done writing your story. God is not done with you or your story. How are you allowing God to write this chapter? How are you allowing God to write this chapter? What choices are you making to get fresh ink on that page? So you've been hearing me talk about uh, this last couple of weeks about friendship and loneliness and how to do all of this as an adult and a Christian, today, in addition to listening, I want to invite you to act. So in your worship guides, uh, you should find a little slip of paper or a card. Um, it's, uh, without sounding too crazy, it's a little bit of like a hookup card. Um, so if you're looking to step out and risk starting a next chapter, right, I want you to write your name and your email address and your phone number on this sheet. And then there are baskets on the communion tables. I want you to place place the card in the basket, right? And after worship, we'll have folks stand. Maybe I'll have um, Jackie and um, Tracy, since they're uh, in charge of communion set up today, uh, stand at the door over here. And if you put your name in, I want you to pull a slip out, okay? And your assignment will be, to contact that person and meet up for a coffee or tea or lunch or walk through the neighborhood, whatever, right? Put yourself out there in a totally platonic way, right? And see what happens. Um, not everyone here knows each other. Maybe nothing but a nice conversation will happen. And that's enough, I think, sometimes. Uh, but maybe it's it's the beginning of a new and kind of funny like match.ubc sort of friendship, right? <laughs> Who knows? You know, you. know but nothing will happen unless you make a choice, right? Nothing will happen unless you make a choice. And so by doing this, at least you're starting to put some ink on that page. Let's pray. God, we thank you that, uh, that every end is um, the, the just before a new beginning. Um, we don't thank you for the pain that accompanies it or the disappointment but we thank you that nothing gets wasted and that somehow you use those experiences to equip us for that next chapter, whatever it is, in whatever way it shows up. We thank you that you are not done writing our stories, God. We thank you that there is another chapter to be written, and so we pray for the courage and the boldness to put ourselves out there and allow fresh ink to be written on those pages. Help us to be open God, because that's what part of what it means to follow you, to make ourselves vulnerable to the possibility of your activity within us and around us. And even if we've made those commitments, sometimes it can still be hard. And so grant us the courage and the boldness to do it. We thank you for who you are, and for who we are even, the experiences we've had, and especially for that next chapter that is to be written. Amen.